Welcome to episode 43 of Contested Catch. It's our week two recap and our week three waiver wire coverage where we're going to be helping you navigate some of the changes and situations. Obviously, we had a huge injury weekend in uh, in the NFL this week, which was terrible. You know, you hate to see it. We're going to be covering those injuries and the fallout from those changes. Uh, and we're going to be giving you a lot of options in terms of guys that can help you recover or capitalize uh, on those situations. So, um, Jeff, another shirt, another <laughs> Syracuse shirt. shirt. <laughs> yeah, same shirt, <laughs> the exact same one. Glad to see you've uh, you've done laundry. Um, how are you, my friend? Hey, Will. How did your uh, fantasy team do this weekend? I, you know, heard honestly, it was a tough one. I, I'm really not that upset. I mean, I played the highest score and lost. I mean, it, second highest that actually. Darren Waller barely eked me out. Oh well, you know, you know, it's funny because we're obviously talking about you that I played and you beat me. Congratulations. Handedly, I might add. Um, yep. But the other, it, the, it was, it was never even close, guys. <laughs> yeah, I had some uh, poor start sit decisions that that didn't go my way. Uh, Jeff just had a great week, you know. We like to see it. Um, and unfortunately for both of us, actually, the especially me, the other high score in the league was the other guy in our division, Devin Sanon. So, Devin, congratulations! Great week for you. you you're proving the the haters wrong. Um, all right, so I'm glad that you're here, Jeff. Yeah, got... he's, he's trying to prove that his team wasn't just the Patriots defense last year. <laughs> yeah, we, we were trying to get Devin to sell pay, Patriots defense all year, but he wouldn't do it. Um, okay, so before we get into the show, I also want to say hello to our listeners out in the United Kingdom and our other international listeners that are out there. Uh, I've been keeping an eye on the data coming in from our listenership and and it's awesome to see that Contested Catch is reaching beyond just the United States. So we're happy to have you. Please reach out on Twitter so we can connect, and we thank you for listening. And now, uh, my last little tidbit before we really get in here is uh, just a piece of advice as we go into week three now. Fantasy football is a marathon and not a sprint. Uh, your team might be riddled with injuries or just underperforming after two weeks. You might be looking at an 0-2 start. Don't quit. Don't stop hunting on the waiver wire. Just adapt. You might not be able to afford to wait on a player's breakout or have to cut ties with a bench stash in favor of a flex-worthy player this week, but that is the name of the game. Unfortunately, you're going to have to live with dropping a guy that might go off in the second half, but the point is you can't just wait on them all year when you've already lost two games or something of the sort, or you know maybe you lost Christian McCaffrey. You need to, to adapt to new information and the new situation. So uh, it's a weekly game. Don't stop thinking ahead, but also don't panic. Take a little word of advice from great character in the formerly best TV show of all time. Chaos isn't a pit. It's a ladder. There you go. Well, well said, Littlefinger. <laughs> R.I.P. Game of Thrones. It is R.I.P. Um, guys, if you didn't catch it, ContestedCatch.com is available. It's live now, baby. We've got good stuff going up there. We're going to have even more. One thing I want to specifically call attention to right now is the Contested Catch-Up, which is our new newsletter that we're going to come out with every single week starting this week make sure to sign up at the link i'll put it in the episode thread on twitter as well and if you are not on twitter but listening to this episode it's contestedcatch.com forward slash catch dash up i believe is what our our url is and if you can't get through to it that way it's also linked on our homepage. so make sure to sign up for that it's going to be really good i think um and we hope you enjoy it so jeff now getting into the injury update part of our show Unfortunately, this is a lot longer than we'd like to see. Uh, fantasy football relevant players to go down this week include 
Saquon Barkley, Cortland Sutton, both tore their ACLs. They're out for the year. Uh, the Broncos also lost Drew Locke for two to six weeks with a uh, rotator cuff injury, I believe it was, Philip Lindsay with a turf toe. So the Broncos just got decimated. Not only did the Broncos get decimated, the 49ers got decimated, and they already have been. I mean, they were already out, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. Now they lose Raheem Moser with a sprained knee. He's probably out multiple weeks. Keep your eye One on that. One to two. One to two weeks. Um, he also missed most of that game after erupting for another long touchdown. Tevin Coleman's expected to miss time. Jimmy Garoppolo now has an ankle injury that caused him to miss the second half, although we aren't really sure of the severity. So definitely worth monitoring there to see if Nick Mullins might be the quarterback in week three. And uh, yeah, so the, you know, the 49ers, they also yeah. lost Nick Bosa. Lost Bosa to the yeah, exactly. 49ers, I don't know who they offended, but they are, they are getting decimated. Obviously, the number one pick in fantasy this year, Christian McCaffrey, high ankle sprain out for four to six weeks. That's a big one for a lot of people. We'll be talking about that shortly. Paris Campbell's likely out for the year. He is now on IR with a PCL and MCL injury to his knee, which is really disappointing. We were high on him. He looked great through two weeks. Uh, unfortunately, that injury caught him. And Devontae Adams picked up a hamstring injury. He also had an ankle injury early in the game, came back, then left later with a hamstring injury. That's not ideal. We'll, we'll touch on that in a, in a uh, second. And then the last one I'll bring up right now, Jeff, is Cam Akers was knocked out of week two with a rib injury and may miss some time. So let's just start with by saying, you know, where do we go from here? Uh, the season-ending injuries suck. Everyone can see that. Uh, and that can be addressed in the waiver wire section. So let's shift to some more actionable stuff, starting with Christian McCaffrey. So, Jeff, how are you handling CMC's four- to six-week absence? Let's focus on on how you would handle it as a Christian McCaffrey owner. Like, are you, are you selling? Are you? No, no, I'm holding him. Um, yeah, that four to six time week timeline, I think is a little bit more conservative. I could see him coming back in three to four, but also like we saw with Saquon and Kamara last year, when they're back, there's not necessarily going to be as effective. So you're still probably looking at six to seven weeks until you get a fully healthy McCaffrey. But even if he's, you know, you lose him for three weeks, then you get him for at, 70 percent for four five six and then around week six seven eight is when he starts to get back to full i don't think now is the time to sell him um you're basically selling low i feel like there's a decent chance he beats that four to six week timeline or comes back at the low end so you know but just still don't be expecting oh he's back top three fantasy player do you think it would make sense if, for instance, let's say he's practicing in a limited capacity in a given week, maybe two weeks from now, if he, if, if it's looking like he might play that week, do you think that's a good time to sell, knowing what we know about how this is probably going to stay with him the rest of the year? I don't think so. Um, I mean, if you get a great offer for him, then sure. But you know, I think, uh, you know, it's not. I think people are like managers are being smarter. They realize like, okay, like they'll remember Saquon and Kamara last year. They'll, they'll realize, oh, my, the same injury Michael Thomas has, and he's you know not back or he's not good. Whatever. Like, th- I think um, fantasy managers are getting smarter. That it's still not necessarily. You're not really going to be able to like, sell high on him if you get good practice reports. Would you consider buying him? Yeah, if you're two and zero right now and you have decent depth. Um, I, I think he's worth buying for you know for that reason. You know, maybe the trade would cost you a win or two in like the next like couple weeks. Um, hopefully, just one. But you know, then you can really hit your groove down the stretch. I mean, I think it's if you're 
um, if you are 2-0 and and you have the depth, I think it's worth pursuing the trade. The real thing, like you said, Jeff, if you're 2-0, and this is where you can start to, to afford to take some chances on players and potentially get a discount and, and prepare yourself for a later season, uh, you know, dominant, dominant roster. But if you're 0-2, that's when you really have to start evaluating, is it worth holding on to McCaffrey if he was your number one player? number one pick and you're you know looking at four to six weeks not being at full strength that's when you start have to start evaluating this stuff um jeff now we've, we're talking Devontae adams real quick here uh he left early it didn't appear to be very serious is this injury worry uh maybe a chance to buy on a slight dip on Devontae adams after a huge week one the disappointing week two is an injury hobbled in a great matchup do you think this is a chance to buy low on Devontae adams Probably not. I just don't see the Adams owners really being that frantic, especially after he did smash so heavily in week one. Um, I, I I don't think now, especially since they say the injury is pretty minor and it was just out of precaution, he was held out. I just don't think that his value is really down from top wide receiver. If he comes out slow in week three and kind of is in and out, then then maybe. Um, but I just don't think his price tag has wavered. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always the chance, though, because we saw Devontae Adams obviously deal with turf toe last year, missed a lot of time. Um, and so, you know, it, it's worth inquiring, at least, in case someone thinks that Devontae Adams might be injury prone, which we know is a, a misnomer for the most part. So at least worth looking at there. Um, Jeff, shifting down to the waiver wire section now. So we already talked about Christian McCaffrey. Uh, we both agree that the guy to go after is Mike Davis. Uh, he's available 97% of leagues, eight of eight targets for 74 yards out of the backfield. Uh, you know, with this guy's a three down skill set. We've seen it from his time in Seattle. I saw it watching him play at Carolina. How aggressive are you willing to be with Mike Davis on the waiver wire? Yeah. So this depends on like what your situation is. If you're Owen two, um, or maybe one and one just got decimated with injuries. I think you just have to be aggressive. Um, and, get that player that you can plug in for three or four weeks and just try and like recover your season. If you're two and O and your team is like relatively unscathed, I, I think you can afford to be a little more conservative because um, three, four weeks and then he's done. I'd, I'd rather probably go after Wayne Gallman because you know, he's going to be season long uh, with Saquon out for the year. I think Wayne Gallman has higher utility in that regard okay um now staying in carolina real quick i'm i'm skipping to a different position group kind of that's curtis samuel um we know that he is listed as wide receiver but he actually had twice as many carries as he had targets in week two uh that uh, was in large part due to the uh christian mccaffrey injury we also know that they want to get him involved in creative ways he was a running back wide receiver type hybrid from his college days he's an explosive athlete does the Christian McCaffrey injury change your view on Curtis Samuel's week to week utility now. Yeah, I think it actually raises the utility of uh, all three of those receivers. Um, I mean, even DJ Moore is a player I could see getting a couple of carries a game. I think it is likely Samuel's going to get four to six. Um, and then I don't think they won't be feeding Mike Davis the same way that they fed McCaffrey, which should lead to more overall volume in the passing game. And then once they get to the red zone, McCaffrey has just been a touchdown magnet. So I think it could also help to improve the touchdown upside of any of them. And also 
I don't think this makes a huge difference for Robbie Anderson, but he has been their number two receiver so far. And I think he is kind of quietly been a buy uh, candidate. If he's out there on your waiver wire, he's worth going out and putting a few fab dollars on. Um, if he, you know, maybe even inquiring with the Robbie Anderson owner and seeing what their asking price is, uh, uh, he looks to be the number two receiver in the offense. Maybe Curtis Samuel will um, overtake him slightly as a fancy asset if those carries do um, do show up. But um, just in terms of receiving, to me, it goes DJ Moore, then Robbie Anderson, and then Curtis Samuel. Yeah, Robbie Anderson is coming. You know, we're going to talk a little bit more about The Rock later, but Robbie Anderson is coming in at the 11th spot in overall Rock, and Curtis Samuels at 112th. So it's really not a question about who has gotten the receiving volume thus far. Um, you know, things could change, like you said, but um, worth noting that as well. Back to running backs real quick. We already talked about the Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman injuries. You mentioned Jarek McKinnon's season last week. You know, we've both been a fan of this player. You have been very staunch in your support of him in, in his 2020 outlook and, and you know, his potential to pop in this hot Shanahan backfield. Um, he's available in almost 75% of leagues. Now Raheem Mostert might miss multiple weeks. We're not exactly sure. It could be one, could be two, could be more. Um, Tevin Coleman, we're unsure about his status as well. Is this Jarek McKinnon's backfield? And how aggressive are you willing to be in going out and getting him? I mean, I already have McKinnon in just about every league, so I don't. We're not talking about you. We're talking about everyone else. <laughs> um, yeah, so it sounds like Raheem Mostert minor MCL injury, uh, one to two weeks. It's kind of it, that really affects the lateral quickness. Tevin Coleman will be out longer. That sounds like three to five week injury. Um, so I, I, and then Jeff Wilson is also going to be worked in this week or in the next two weeks if, with Mostert out. So. Um, I would probably say around 10 to 15% on McKinnon, um, because I, I think you're only getting one to two weeks of him as the workhorse. Um, but even then that could still look like a 60, 40 split with Jeff Wilson, but you also know it only takes one carry or one or two plays for him to just return the fancy value. Um, but then if, you know, Raheem comes back in two or three weeks, it's likely going to be his backfield again or at the very least a timeshare, which would really just kind of suck a lot of the value out. And then, as we also mentioned with the Garoppolo injury, if Nick Mullins is the QB for next week, I, that also kind of just seems to limit that ceiling a little bit, which makes me slightly less enthusiastic. But I'm still firing him up as a flex play in all my leagues. Yeah, I mean, he's got six carries for 101 yards and a touchdown, three receptions and 20 yards and a touchdown through two games right now. Um, he had a long run in week two against the Jets. I mean, we already talked about the Jets. Being Third and 31, good. and he takes it 55 yards. Yeah. Now, you know, some of that could be the situation. We know it is more efficient to run on third and long at the same time. I mean, he's <laughs> he averaged eight, eight yards per carry the week before. He looks pretty healthy. Um, I, I, I like being aggressive on Jarek McKinnon as well. Um, Jeff, another guy that looked good in week two is Darrell Henderson. And... You know, we saw Cam Akers exit early, like we already mentioned. Malcolm Brown's a little banged up. Apparently, he has a broken pinky finger, I believe it is. Um, Darrell Henderson is available in 54% of leagues. He had 12 carries for 81 yards and a touchdown. How aggressive are you willing to be on Darrell Henderson, knowing that Cam Akers is banged up and there's a chance that Henderson at least leads his backfield for another week? Not very. 
Um, Malcolm Brown will play. It's just a little pinky injury. And then um, Cam Akers will be one week at most. So as good as Henderson did look this past week, I just can't really get too excited uh, over him for a long-term outlook. Um, yeah, I, I still think that Akers takes over the backfield at some point this season. So you're really at most looking at like one week of utility and then at best, it's just like a hot hand committee for the rest of the season. Okay. And then on to New York Giants. Uh, obviously, we already talked about Saquon Barkley loss for the year. Terrible loss. Um, and now we're looking at the scraps that are left in that backfield, potentially adding a scrap from the free agent pool as well. Deion Lewis is the current favorite um, for touches just based on what he did in week two with 87% snap share. He's the pass catching back. He already had a role with Saquon healthy. Wayne Gallman was the one that um, the the giant beat um, in the summer believed would take over the role, the primary role that is, uh, if anything happened to Saquon. So, uh, and then just to, to um, clarify the wrench that I'm talking about potentially throwing in is Devontae Freeman visited with New York. So Jeff, between Zion Lewis, Wayne Gallman, Devontae Freeman, do any of these guys pique your interest? You already mentioned Wayne Gallman. Uh, is he the clear favorite to you? I mean, what if Devontae Freeman signs? Gallman's still the favorite to me. I don't think Freeman's that good anymore. And Lewis, he'll see an expanded role. And I expect him to utilize him in the passing game more, especially with Shepard out as well. But I think Gallman steps in as the early down back and gets the bulk of the carries. And I, you know, Freeman, I think there's a reason nobody has signed him yet. He just not looked good last year. Um, using the next gen stats tracking data, he was one of, if not the least efficient rusher in the league last year. Like when adjusting for um offensive line and like the defensive players at handoff. So I like Freeman doesn't really scare me that much. Um, I mean, I was sure he'll probably give him a couple carries a game, but to me, it's gonna be Wayne Gallman as the lead back with Deion Lewis uh working in in the receiving game. Yeah, I actually, I agree with your take on that situation. What I will also add is I'm just not very excited about picking up the pieces here in this backfield. It's just not one that was very lucrative for Saquon Barkley to begin with. You know, we saw him really struggle through two weeks. Um, even though they added to this offensive line through through the draft, it's just not a situation that I think is very lucrative. So to me, I'd actually rather go after and get Jarek McKinnon. I'd even rather take an upside, you know, swing at Darrell Henderson uh, just in a, in a, you know, we saw him produce at least in week two, and we know that he was, uh, has some draft investment as well. So Jeff, moving now down to the wide receivers, uh, on the waiver wire, I'm going to start with KJ Hamler. This is someone that maybe a lot of people haven't heard about yet. Uh, he's a rookie. He wasn't active in week one. He was the, I think he was a third round pick for the Broncos. Um, the injury to Cortland Sutton, obviously, for the year opens the door for Hamler's continued emergence in, in his uh, he's available in 98 percent of leagues. In his debut, he had a 17.9 percent target share and around two thirds of snaps. Um, now, we also have to add Drew Locke's injury cast some doubt on his effectiveness as a raw rookie. But is KJ Hamler someone you're at all interested in? Definitely. Um, uh, I think. Like you said, the Drew Lock injury is kind of is pretty unfortunate. But now you're really looking at a condensed offense of um, Noah Fant, Hamler, Judy, Melvin Gordon. Like that's four players basically to spread the ball around. Even um, Blake Bortles, who they just signed, or who who's the quarterback? Jeff Driscoll. Jeff now? Driscoll. 
yeah, Jeff Driscoll. I mean, that's basically four players them to give the ball to. It's not an ideal situation for like an offense in the NFL, but for fantasy, um, I think we'll see uh, enough value there that yeah, KJ Hamler's uh, worth an add off the waiver wire. And I would consider. I'm considering dropping Deshaun Jackson for him right now. What's the over under on when Jalen Hurts gets his first start? <laughs> you know, I'm really torn because I like Wentz and I'm rooting for this offense to do well. But obviously, you know, I'm Jalen Hurts stand basically. So, I mean, I think he, I will say something real quick on Jalen Hurts. Um, I was watching the Eagles game this week. I saw them start to use him in a more creative way. They were they line him up as a wide receiver out wide, and then they hand it off to Miles Sanders at the goal line up the middle. Then they lined him up outside, had an orbit motion around the backfield, handed it off to Miles Sanders up the middle again. I think they are setting up Jalen Hurts packages for down the road. And I just think it's encouraging for a guy who is built and and plays like a running back in the running game, but is a really good passer as well. We could see some more Jalen Hurts. And, you know, I mean, there's a chance that he challenges for the job, I guess. I, I don't think it's a very high chance at the moment, but second round pick, Wentz has struggled big time. Uh, the Eagles want to contend this year. Yeah, you know, there's a chance. I don't know if I can put an over-under on it, but uh, at the very least, I'm excited that he might get some touches. I love how I love how the audio engineers who were in charge of the, put the sound, <laughs> they, they, they put at home, they started booing the Eagles, which is just peak Philadelphia. Yes, 100%. Um, all right, Jeff, last wide receiver that I have for you here is Keelan Cole. He's available 97% of leagues. Uh, I think we've both been a little surprised by TJ Chark not really dominating targets in the first two weeks for Jacksonville. Obviously, uh, LaVisca Chenault has had a really good role, um, but a lot of that has been in running uh, work as well. Second best running back in this draft class. (laughs) Uh, You know, Keelan Cole has touchdowns in back-to-back weeks and has been out-targeting Chark. I don't expect this to continue per se. Because I do think Chark is due to bounce back as the clear wide receiver one for this team. But Cole has a chance to be a capable weapon for Minshew. And I could be wrong about the pecking order, uh, period. So, Jeff, is Keelan Cole someone to keep your eye on? Or is he better left uh, for someone else to grab? I'm a big Cole fan. Um, I, I think I drafted him in a couple leagues last year. It's one of those late round dart throws. It just never panned out. He had a, he had a good rookie season. And, um, yeah, I think you know he shows up a little bit as someone who's been overproducing in our rock, which we'll get to later, but we're still projecting forward about eight and a half, nine fancy points per game, which is worth having on your roster. So it's unlikely that he sustains like as high of the fancy production, but it's not saying he's just going to drop off a cliff and become irrelevant. Right. I think uh, some people are probably a little worried about shark through two weeks. I'll say this shark still, they have almost the same, but shark is 70th in rock and Cole's 70, uh, 72nd. Um, Chark has looked really good. He just hasn't gotten as much volume as we expected. So I would say hang in there if you're a Chark owner. Yeah, um, I mean, Cole Cole is the target leader on this offense. Um, he's just getting a lot of those short, uh, kind of low calorie touches. His average def- average target depth of five and a half. But I mean, in PPR format, like okay, you just kind of rack up the reception points, and then you know, I mean, it's been working through two weeks for him as a for fantasy value. It, indeed it has. He's, he's been able to score in both weeks and, you know, he's getting enough volume to sustain production at the moment, at least. Okay. So Jeff, moving on to tight ends now in, in terms of people that are probably still available in your league, I'm going to say Logan Thomas, you know, you've heard this name a lot recently, probably he's still available in 84% of leagues. 
He has had fantastic opportunity through two weeks, 33rd in rock overall. That includes all players and 25% target share. He had nine more targets in week two. Um, I think he, I mean, next to Terry McLaurin is the number two option in this game, in this passing attack. I think Haskins is, they struggled in week two early on again, but I do think that Logan Thomas uh, is someone that, you know, when we're talking a touchdown can be enough for, for, for a given week. And he's a big target. He's getting good, good opportunities. I think Logan Thomas is definitely someone who should be added, uh, especially if you're dealing with someone like George Kittle or maybe disappointment like so far, like Austin Hooper. Uh, Logan Thomas is definitely an interesting guy. Uh, Jeff, any other tight end or any position waiver wire ads that you think are worth mentioning? Well, Evan Ingram, um, I think he's not going to be out on the waiver wire, but he is popping up as a buy low for me. He only has 5.7 points per game so far. Our projection model is projecting like over 10, just over 10 points per game going forward. And I think with the injury to Saquon and the injury to Shepard, he has a really good chance to um, pop in the next few weeks. And OJ Howard, um, uh, I don't love him that much, but I mean, he's looks to be the tight end one in Tampa. Gronk is basically dust or when he is on he's like staying into block and not even running that many routes so i think oj howard is another player that if you're kind of desperate is worth adding yeah tom has looked tom brady that is has looked a little rough through the first two weeks but i will say he's historically obviously done really well with great athletes at the tight end position gronk looks like complete dust like you said uh oj howard is i think a fourth year player you know, first round pedigree, amazing athlete, obviously disappointed big time last year. But before that, all arrows are pointing up. I think that's a good point, Jeff, that if OJ Howard continues to be the lead tight end on this team, his 10 targets through two weeks could turn into a lot more down the road. Um, you know, if, if injuries keep popping up to that wide receiver room. So, OK, moving now on to our coverage of the receiver opportunity composite score. Of course, that is the rock. If you aren't familiar with the rock yet. Go to contestacatch.com forward slash ROC forward slash. That is where you can find the Rock tool. And then you can also look up um, Rock dash explained from the same URL. Um, they're all on our website. Basically, it's it's one measure to rule them all. One measure to consolidate uh, receiving opportunities so that it's easier for you to compare players on the same team or just players, period. And starting off with that, Jeff, um, obviously... This is a great tool to evaluate buys and sells in season. Now, we're not quite in the range where we'd like to have a certain amount of data, but we can, you know, extrapolate something from the first two weeks, the first two data points that we have. Uh, well, first, I just want to kind of go through how it looked after week one. So following week one, some of the top un under producers included Odell Beckham Jr., Julian Edelman, Deshaun Jackson, A.J. Green, Keenan Allen. Um you know, you saw Thursday night Odell Beckham hit, and then on Sunday night football, Julian Edelman smashed. And AJ Green is going to be number one this week. Uh, he still had 13 targets, and Keenan Allen went from only putting up 5.7 in the uh, week one to about 12, 12 and a half in week two, and that was even with uh, Justin Herbert stepping in out of nowhere. So, um, so that's kind of how it can be used. Or DJ Moore, he, uh, his seven points was below forward projection of 11 and a half. And then he came out with, uh, I think, a 16 point half PPR performance. Who is the first 
buy that comes to mind using the rock score? Um, obviously, you know, we have this laid out on the website, but who stands out to you? The, as I mentioned, AJ Green, that 13 targets just puts him as a huge, uh, you know, underperform by, I mean, I guess you say by low, of course you can say, okay, like he also maybe didn't look that good, et cetera. But I mean, the, the opportunity is there for him to blow up. Um, also showing up is Preston Williams. Um, you know, seeing 10 and a half points per game looking forward. Um, but also like Mike Isecki's emergence, he looks like almost the number one target. And that also you have to factor in Devontae Adam or Devontae Parker did not really play in the second half of week one, which is where a lot of that opportunity came from. And he was the number four option, even behind Ford um, against the Bills this week. Allen Robinson, um, I mean, he has the 12th highest rock score so far. If you're his owner, do not panic. Um, if the owner is panicking, you know, go out and buy. Um, you know, even last year with Mr. Bisky, he still finished as a wide receiver one. So it, it'll come. Um, one more player I wanted to mention here is Christian Kirk, um, who has done almost nothing so far, but it's two weeks in a row on the list. However, I will say it's not his projection is a rock score. It's not as high as some of the other players I've mentioned. It's still just kind of that eight and a half point range. So, which is like, more of just wide receiver three flex territory when you need them, not like, uh, okay, he is going to have a, a really good game coming soon. So, um, you know, those are the players that are really popping up. And then, I mean, Julian Hedelman is second in the rock score right now. So uh, I was kind of dogging on him after week one, even though he looked good on my metric because of the target share, but I was like, ah, they only had 20 pass attempts, but now you see a game where they have to throw the ball and, I mean, he blows up. He has 20 targets on the season. That 31% target share is really tough to come by. But I also really like Nikhil Harry. Um, you know, he looks like the clear number two option. And right now he's sitting at like 8.8 .8 points per game. And, you know, the Rock score is telling me that we're looking at closer to 10 and a half, 11 points per game in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, he kind of might even be a buy high candidate or if he's still out there on waiver wire, you know, add him to your roster. Yeah, I think another uh, potential buy high candidate here is Calvin Ridley. Um, I think I mean, he's obviously got four touchdowns for two weeks. So that's a huge, you know, red flag in terms of maybe this isn't this uh, really high fantasy production isn't going to be sustained. But what is a really good signal for him is that he's leading the league in rock score right now. Um, Russell Gage, amazingly, is second in um, in Atlanta in rock score. He's 20th overall, and Julio Jones is down at 25th. So if I had to guess, I would say this is going to start evening back out, potentially in Julio Jones' favor over the next couple of weeks. But either way, Calvin Ridley's here to stay. He's He's uh, got 311 air yards through two weeks, and that is second in the league, only behind A.J. Green. He's also got 16 first downs. Uh, six red zone targets, which is in first in the league. He is noticeably popping in almost every category that we care about. And obviously, like I said, leading the league in rock. So Jeff, is Calvin Ridley someone you think maybe you could buy on? Get him at kind of like that lower end wide receiver price tag and hope that he, you know, that's his floor going forward. And, you know, you could still get this top six season then. Sure. Um, I mean, the Calvin Ridley owners are not going to be 
know, probably not going to be looking to run out and sell him for anything below like top 10 at this point. Um, I do think Julio had a little bit of a hamstring tweak. So it's a little something to keep an eye on and was why we, I'd expect him to um, also, you know, take some of that opportunity back in the coming weeks. But nah, I mean, Ridley, you know, I was kind of down on him um, in the preseason. Oh, <laughs> okay. I was against ranking him inside the top uh, 12 wide receivers. I, because I've, my opinion is, you know, over the course of the season, that I expected him to have some boom weeks as he just did. And, and uh, you know, will these keep up? Maybe we'll see. Um, but I expect my, I was against ranking him inside the top, um, you know, 12 top or even wide receiver 10. I was starting to see because, you know, my view is that was that over the course of the season, that was around his ceiling. Um, Maybe he will keep this up and I'll be wrong. It's still possible, though, that it does cool off and he, you know, maybe Julio comes back and has the weeks that Ridley just did. And then Ridley has, you know, a couple down games. Um, but we'll see. I mean, that, that was my reason for not ranking him at what I believe to be his ceiling. Again, I thought he had the high single week seasons as we saw last year and as we've seen him two weeks. Um, I mean, Maybe he is this year's Chris Godwin and I'll have to eat crow, but I'm not doing that yet. <laughs> That's fine. Um, you know, we were talking about Mike Gusecki a little bit earlier. He's popping in at 18th overall um, in rock right now. And that's just that's behind Travis Kelsey. Yeah, that's including receivers. Yeah, that's that's running backs, receivers. Running backs are really, really, really low. But um, that's just a product of, of how they're used in the past game. But uh, to put that in context, Travis Kelsey is 14th overall. And Darren Waller's eighth. He's been dominant. But, um, you know, Mike Gusecki has legit volume. He's also got 80% uh, of his snaps are in the slot. So that's really good. Um, I'll also say there was some maybe some early worry about DJ Moore that probably was assuaged by his uh, late come up on on week two. Um, He's sixth overall in rock. And I think if there's still any chance to buy DJ Moore, do it. Because, you know, we weren't concerned about him uh, as, as DJ Moore owners, both of us. Um, but DJ Moore is, is, is basically getting the role that we expected from him. If not, maybe a little bit more, he's got a 44% air yard share in that offense. His a dot is at 12.3. Um, I think this is a pretty encouraging, uh, usage for him over the, over two weeks. And so I like DJ Moore as a buy, obviously Robbie Anderson, we already mentioned, uh, is at 11th and rock. So that's weight. That's super notable. I was not expecting Robbie Anderson to have such a heavy volume role. Um, he's just behind DJ Moore for the target lead in that offense uh, among wide receivers. So um, Deontay Johnson, Jeff, he's at 17th in the league in rock among all pass catchers. Uh, he's got 23 targets through two weeks. Juju Smith-Schuster has not looked like the number one wide receiver through two weeks in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily reading into two weeks too much, but Deontay Johnson has been getting a lot, a lot, a lot of usage. And, you know, they keep going back to him, even though he had a fumble, even though he's had some drops. I'm not personally too worried about that. Um, but, you know, he's he's in at 17th in Rock, and Juju Smith-Schuster's at 49th. What are your thoughts there? I mean, I think it's interesting because Deontay Johnson's been one of their least effective or least efficient receiving options. Like, even James Washington has a uh, higher yards per target. Juju has a higher yards per target. Uh, Eric Ebron, formerly dubbed Eric Enron, like 
they're all they've all been he hasn't had the volume but they've all had like a higher efficiency than deontay johnson but so from a rational coaching standpoint i'm just like okay i he's not your best option but from a fantasy analyst standpoint he has all the opportunity that you could ask for. And assuming that they just keep feeding him, you, you just want to, you know, keep playing them. So um, yeah, I think I would expect things to kind of even out with him and Juju a little bit more over the course of the season. But I mean, the usage is there for him to have a, you know, wide receiver two, maybe even squeak into that low end wide receiver one season. Um, you know, I don't, quite see it why he's how he's that much better than some of the other options but it doesn't matter because they do so they just keep feeding him right um and and another you know storyline i guess we could bring up here is the dallas wide receiver core obviously you know led by amari cooper michael gallup had a great year last year and then they drafted cd lamb we were interested to see how this would shake out i think the injury to blake jarwin has allowed cd lamb to really have that lucrative uh slot role all to himself Basically, Michael Gallup runs harder routes on the outside for Dallas. And I've just felt like since the Jarwin injury, Gallup is going to be the more volatile player of the three. And um, I Alton think Schultz got 10 targets. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That, that just ruins that just ruins trying to, you know, I don't say it ruins their fantasy value, but like you were just hoping that I say hoping because we like Jarwin too. But after the injury, we were more expecting just even further condensing with Cooper Gallup. Lamb, Lamb, Cooper, Gallup, and now Dalton Schultz comes in and gets ten targets. And you're like, uh, okay, yeah. Or no, wait, no, ten receptions off of fourteen targets. And then, I mean, Michael Gallup was the odd man out this week. I, mean, I, don't know, I wouldn't be too concerned because I don't think Dalton Schultz is going to get that much volume week to week. Um, I do think, though, from the fancy perspective, he might be the odd man out of those three receivers. He's still going to have some really good weeks because that offense is going to have to keep putting up points. Um, he just might not be quite as dependable as we were hoping. Yeah, I mean, we were. I was pricing him at like just outside wide receiver two territory as a guy who is always worth a flex start. Um, and now, I mean, CD Lamb has heavily outproduced him. But what is worth noting is CD Lamb comes in at forty eighth and Rock. Michael Gallup comes in at forty sixth. So. He's really buoyed by a 27% air yard share versus 15% for CeeDee Lamb. Um, but really, I think it's also worth noting, there's a lot of excitement about CeeDee Lamb. But Amari Cooper is at ninth in rock. He's got a 36% air yard share, 26% target share. He's got two uh, uh, red zone targets, 181 yards. He's he's just been a rock solid wide receiver so far um, and already has 16 receptions on the year. So I would say... You know, yes, we can be excited about CD Lamb, but if there's, you know, if someone's like really ready to sell low on Michael Gallup, I would I would be comfortable buying. You're getting a share of an amazing passing offense. And three rushing touchdowns went to Dak Prescott in week two. I think many of I think most of those are going to turn into passing touchdowns uh as the weeks go on. And you know, the volume's gonna go down a little bit just because that was such a beautiful game script. But um Still, Mari Cooper's a buy. And a beautiful onside kick. <laughs> it was a beautiful onside kick. That was interesting. Um, Elite leg talent. Um, so now I want to give Jeff a shout out specifically for a fantastic call that he had uh, during week two's DFS preview. If you aren't aware of our DFS preview and our, our, you know, our preview for the week ahead that comes out on Fridays, make sure to check that out. This is just an example of the kind of content 
that we can deliver. And Jeff absolutely killed it with this call. He said his favorite stack of the week was the game stack between uh, the Bills and the Dolphins and specifically targeting Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Mike Gusecki. Uh Jeff, Josh Allen over 400 yards and four touchdowns, no turnovers. Stephon Diggs over 150 yards and a touchdown. And Mike Gusecki, 13 targets, 120 yards, I believe it was, and a touchdown. Um, just a dominant, dominant performance by all three. Um, and I think really encouraging for their season long stock, but especially, you know, great if you played them in week two. Uh, any other thoughts on on that game stack or those games? Uh, we'll, no, we'll cover the Bills specifically, but those particular players from a fantasy standpoint. Um, and just keep firing all of them up week in and week out. Uh, if you drafted Diggs, uh, you're like, well, he was probably going around the sixth round. I think I mean, he's you're getting a huge ROI on him right now. I mean, like the Bills are one of the most pass happy teams in the league, and that's not going to change. So it doesn't. I don't expect it to change. So um, you know, buy buy or you know hold whatever. Just keep firing all three of these players up because they're here to stay. Yeah, Diggs has the fourth best rock score in the league right now. Josh Allen has had not thrown for over 300 yards in his career before doing it in back-to-back weeks um, to start the season. And obviously one of those is a 400-yard passing game. Um, I just think that we're seeing enough. You know, we saw the fantasy consistency with John Brown last year. We didn't necessarily always see the ceiling. And we're seeing that with Stephon Diggs this year as Josh Allen has just been a much improved passer down the field, especially connecting with... um, with Josh Allen. So that's really good to see. Diggs is such a filthy route runner. He's, oh, he's disgusting. Yeah, he's, he's the best in the yeah. league. It's like we haven't had anybody close to this since Stevie Johnson. Real quick, Mike Kosecki, before we move on to the Bills breakdown, Mike Kosecki, uh, like you already alluded to, looks like potentially the number one passing weapon in Miami. He's 18th in the league in rock right now. Um, we've seen uh, Preston Williams come in at 32nd in rock. And, you know, he's the number two buy uh, in the whole rock tool right now. So I think that that is notable. But at the same time, Mike Isecki has some really lucrative volume metrics right now. He has a 30% air yard share, 21% target share, and five red zone targets. That's really good. That's second in the league. So uh, tied for second, that is. So Mike Isecki wheels up still. You know, he had a down week one. But if there, if he's on your waiver wire, some people were dropping him. Uh, I think that that he is a uh, a good pickup as well. Um, Jeff, we read the Bills game perfectly. Uh, we were saying yes to the yes to the money line, no to the spread. Obviously, that worked out in our favor uh, because the Bills did not cover, and uh, just a really I would say satisfying win. A little bit, you know, annoying I suppose that the Bills couldn't hold that eleven point lead. In the fourth quarter, uh, they gave up one more score to Fitzmagic. But at the same time, we know they were a little banged up. And, you know, Fitzmagic has some magic in him still. So, uh, you know, what were your takeaways from week two for Buffalo? Obviously coming away 2-0 and uh, and, and heading on to week three. Um, you know, pretty much what you said. Josh Allen is looking for real. Um, you know, he's done basically everything you could ask him to do through two weeks. Yes, they weren't the best teams, but I mean, the Dolphins have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard in the secondary. I mean, they were both a little banked up, but those are still some really good players. Um, so 
then on defense, yeah, it wasn't exactly what you want to see. But again, where you're missing both starting linebackers, you know, deal with what you you got to do what you can. So, you know, looking forward, now we play the Rams, and I think this is going to be a really fun matchup. <laughs> I don't like how they match up against us, like as a Bills fan, but I'm still just looking forward to the game. Um, I think Aaron Donald's going to be a problem on the inside. But, I mean, of all the quarterbacks who are built to kind of deal with a player like that, Allen is probably one of the best, uh, you know, right up there with Cam. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how we match up uh, receiver, like Diggs versus Ramsey is going to be really fun to watch. And on the other side of the ball, I, I think McVay's he's going to really target Levi Wallace at that cornerback two has been that spot has been the Achilles heel of the defense. I think the last two or three years. So I see McVeigh scheming uh, against Levi Wallace. And if Milano and Edmonds are out, I see him really picking those backup linebackers up. So it's not going to be easy, but I'm just really looking forward to seeing it. I think it's a, after two relative softball games, it's just a great way to see how for real this team is. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's just it's just so encouraging to see Josh Allen kind of settle in a little bit, not try to play hero ball every time out, because when he does that, he has a propensity to make turnover worthy plays, um, you know, be a little bit more reckless with his body. We want him to be the playmaker that he instinctively is and at the same time take care of the football, uh, not try to do too much because now he actually has talent around him that is going to make it easier for this offense to continue to move and let our playmakers make plays. So overall, really encouraging 2-0 start by the Bills. I am also excited for this next matchup we have against the Rams. Obviously, we covered a lot in this week's episode. Um, we hope that this is going to be helpful for you guys as you try to you know, either capitalize or recover from a big injury weekend in the NFL. Uh, like I said earlier, make sure to sign up for the contested catch-up it's our new newsletter that's coming out every Thursday. Check out the website as well if you haven't already, contestedcatch.com. That's where all our tools and all of our written form content, as well as our podcast schedule and, and the like, uh, can be found. So we think that's going to be a great resource and place for you guys to be able to get all the content and stuff that we're putting out there. And we hope you enjoy that as well. Jeff, any final thoughts, my man, as we head into week three? Uh, no, it was a really good week, and uh, you know, we'll be keep breaking it down. Also, I just want to say if you've been using our DraftKings lineup tool, I'm working on making some improvements to make it a little bit more uh, customizable on your on the user end. So stay look, stay tuned for that in the next two to four weeks. Awesome, yeah, I think that's going to be a really really good tool for our followers to be employing throughout the season. You know, we're using it. Uh, it's been successful for us so far. So guys, uh, if there's anything else that you want to see from us, any follow-up that you want, uh, you know where to find us at Contested Catch on Twitter, at Buff Bill Stats for Jeff. Um, and now, ContestedCatch.com. We hope you guys have enjoyed. Good luck, and we hope to catch you next time.